Hey, welcome to the Husker Cuzcast Sports Show, the official podcast of HuskerHype.com. This is Justin, along with the cousins, Derek and Tyler. We also got John Swedland of HuskerHype.com. So, big news this week, guys. Mike Riley, as expected, gone. After four eight four and 8 season and a 1919 mark in three years at Nebraska, you know, the guy was a straight-up class act, you know, even with his farewell speech after being fired. I mean... I wish it would have worked out for him because he was an easy guy to root for. But, Derek, what are your thoughts on this? I told you so. <laughs> of course. You know, I, he is a class act, and I, I don't want to down him for that. But thank God he is gone. Let's get this let's get this past us. Move on. I. He's a good guy. I don't wish any ill will on him. Hope he finds another job and does what he wants to do. All I can say is. Let's move on. <laughs> Tyler. I think you said that already, Derek. <laughs> Multiple times. I think he said that after the hire. Okay, are you ready to move on yet? <laughs> you know, D- D- Derek, you're Justin. You guys are both right. This guy is a class act. And, I mean, he, he represented the university very well. Um, you know, it, if I ever get fired, I will promise you I'm not going to want to go up and talk good things about my former employee employer for half an hour uh i'm probably gonna freak out on my way out the door i mean he took over a job that yes we won nine wins before but i think Pelini escaped the ship right before it sank um his last two recruiting classes weren't the greatest um no excuse for the performance completely on the field but he did not take over in what i believe is a nine-win program had an uphill battle in a lot of ways uh was tasked to rebuild when he wasn't told that was the situation um, never really got it around, took too long to make some decisions, uh, but, you know, just couldn't get the job done. But my God, I mean, you know, if you look at a representative for a university or a state or a program, you don't find much better than Mike Riley. If, uh, if I had a son that was looking to play college at one double a Mike Riley would be my guy. <laughs> John, take it away. Ouch, man. That was good up until the last drop. Um, I mean, I don't want to regurgitate it too much. Mike Riley's a class act through and through. Great guy. Uh, there's a reason people like Keyshawn Johnson, uh, Les Miles, and other people sent their kids to play for him because he, he's, he's good at what he does. I mean, he runs a pro-style offense. He did it before with success at Oregon State. He just couldn't replicate it here on a, on a bigger scale. You don't really see a lot of coaches stick around for a, a press conference after they've been fired. I think that speaks to uh, the uh, – the legacy that Mike Riley has left and, uh, and what he built here in Nebraska. I won't name former coaches, but every time there's been a coaching change before this, it always seemed like half the fan base liked the guy, the other half wanted him gone. And I think in this case, it just came down to wins and losses for Mike Riley. Uh, just couldn't get it done on the field. He made some, some mishires early on. I just don't think he ever recovered between that and all the, uh, the gaps on the roster. So Mike Riley, if you listen to this, it's been fun. Appreciate having you on the sidelines. Uh, you're a great guy, and uh, best of luck in the future. So, Mike Riley, he won't be back. Do you guys think that there's going to be anybody else coming back, you know, out of the coaching staff? Right now we have Trent Bray as the interim head coach. You know, it kind of looks okay for him right now since he's still getting the paycheck there. But, uh, Tyler, who do you like to see coming back? You know, I, I think you look at what Frost 
did, and that and last week we went in details about how he's the front runner. There's no secret; he's the one that all the Husker fans did. When he went to UCF, uh, he kept two assistants on that roster. I, I think that would probably be about what he could look at keeping. I think we have some good assistants on this staff. Um, the four names that come to mind are Trent Bray, who you mentioned, Justin. I also think Keith Williams, John Perella, and Dante Williams. I think all three of those, all four of those guys, are good assistants that have shown some sort of ability, um, whether it be recruiting or actually performance on the field. And I, I would think two of those guys get a look. I, I know there are people out there that would like all four of them to stay. I just don't see a shot in hell of that happening. Frost is going to want to bring in his own guys or whoever the next head coach. But I think those would be the four names I would look at. And uh, Coach Cab would also be an honorable mention. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. No way in hell he's coming back. Derek. Coach that was a good one, Tyler. You finally made me laugh for the first time this year. <clears throat> you know, don't, don't, Keith Williams for his recruiting, I could see keeping, especially considering we've now had two of our top receivers talk about either going pro or transferring if we don't keep him. But I don't think you can let the players run the team either. So I, I could see where you keep Keith Williams. But you can't be handcuffed into keeping him either. Uh, <clears throat> Perella for his Nebraska ties, I could see keeping him. The defensive line was okay throughout the year at times. Other times it just looked like garbage. So I, I don't know what to think of Perella. I, I like the guy. I wouldn't mind keeping him on, but I could see going a different direction too. And maybe Dante Williams for his recruiting too, but when you look at what our cornerbacks did this year, man, they did not look good. So, I mean, maybe he can get the talent here, but can he coach them? That's what, that's what scares me about him. Uh, I, I, I don't know. It's all up to the next coach. <clears throat> I could be okay either way. John? You know, I really think it, it comes down to what was a coach asked to do when it comes to a guy like John Perella. Uh, Dante Williams, especially on the defensive side of the ball. What, was their coaching deficiencies? Was that part of the 3-4 scheme that they transitioned to? Or was that their coaching you know, acumen altogether? So I think it's hard to have a, a good answer for that question. Um, you know, John Perella only here two years. Uh, Dante Williams one season, um, really, with Nebraska. So uh, I think it's hard to judge those, you know, a book by its cover in those two scenarios. So me personally, I'd like to see uh, Dante Williams and Keith Williams retained. Uh, looking forward to 2018, 2019, the two thinnest spots uh, on the Huskers' depth chart across the board, hands down, uh, is going to be wide receiver and cornerback. Between the two, as it stands today, without anyone leaving early for the draft, etc., cetera, uh, they have five scholarship wide receivers and five scholarship cornerbacks heading into 2018. So you get a guy like Stanley Morgan who just fell short of a thousand yards this season, leaving early for the NFL. And you're talking uh, some major trouble. And if a guy like uh, Keith Williams can bring in a couple, you know, four or five high profile wide receivers, just because he's been recruiting them for so long, I think you have a, a good shot at making the transition from prior head coach to next head coach much easier. Same with Dante Williams. The guy's got some serious connections, especially in California. Um, you know, I think there's a chance that Brendan Radley Hiles or Buki uh, could come back to Nebraska if he's retained and the defensive coordinator kind of knows his stuff and is a proven defensive coordinator. So me personally, I'd like to see the Williams. Um, I'm pretty indifferent on Perella. 
I thought he'd be a good guy to retain. The players seemed to really like him. I thought the defensive line played with a good motor. Again, just don't know if that's a deficiency of the 3-4 with their lack of pressure, et cetera. Um, I read on Twitter, and I'm not great at evaluating defensive linemen, and I apologize for whoever's account this is, but they pointed out um, that the defensive line played with pretty bad pad level, uh, and they had some uh, some good video to back that up. So I wonder if that's a good fit. Again, I don't know if that's something that uh, is, like I said, a deficiency in the scheme that they ran and were asked to execute or if it's really in the coaches themselves. So uh, those would be my, my top three to, to hold over at this point. So, John, you're talking about the uh, defensive scheme, and you posted something, a uh, question on Twitter, uh, asking you know, if we should stick with the 3-4 or move on to the 4-3. What do you truly think? That's a good question. I think it was an ill-advised move to go to the 3-4 this season. Um, not anything to do with Bob Diaco as a coach, more so that they just hadn't recruited for that position. You saw guys like Cedric King, Alex Davis, uh, moving from a defensive end position into an outside linebacker position. And to put it nicely, they, they just didn't have the speed and probably the the talent to play those positions naturally. And I think that put Nebraska in a big hole, uh, especially when other offenses would run a stretch play um, and stretch those linebackers out. Not having Gifford and Newby for most of the season as well, uh, especially the latter half of the season with injuries, um, I just don't know that this linebacking corps is built for a 3-4. Uh, defensive line, I, I think there's a lot of promise there in either scheme that you go to. Uh, Mick Stoltenberg obviously did a good job of just holding things down this season, but you've got the, the Davis twins. Uh, you've got Guy Thomas. Damian Daniels has had a terrific second half uh, of fall practice um, with the season being in tow. It just doesn't make sense to burn his red shirt. So uh, between those guys, Vince Steely, you know, Cedric King, and uh, Alex Davis probably getting back to defensive end as well, I think you'd probably be best to switch to a 4-3 next season. Um, but you're talking three defensive scheme changes in three years. So that's, uh, that's pretty rough. Tyler, what do you, what do you think? Yeah, I, I was pretty vocal when we got Diaco that I, I am personally not a proponent of the 4-3. I, I, I know there are schools like Wisconsin that run it very, very effectively. I, I just see a 3-4 in the college game requiring a lot of discipline uh, for your linebackers as far as gap control and where you're at. And we saw that a lot this year with our linebackers not being in a position to make plays. Um, athleticism may be part of it. Um, coaching could be also another part. I, I just think it does. Not that it can't work, because obviously it does. Um, I, I So I would be a proponent going back to the 4-3. My only downside on that is, you know, how much do you just want to throw your hands up and say, we're going to go back to the 4-3 after we practice a 3-4? You know, I mean, we spent this whole year building a 3-4. Would there be a potential to have more success next year if we stayed with that? Um I, I don't know that answer, but that would be my only reason of considering in my preference of staying to three four. Well, you're losing the coach. Derek, get in here on this. I want a defense where hold on. I don't know. Defenders tackle. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't care how you how you line up. Whatever works, works. Uh, it was disgusting watching some of our tackling this year. And Whoever comes in just needs to get that fixed. And if you want four, if you want four down linemen or three down linemen, I, I really don't care. 
I think both. I think both systems can work. Uh, it's just a matter of what the coach prefers. I I I, I don't know. I have no other answer than the generic whatever works. Well, we're going to see what the next coach brings in here. Uh, it's, it's going to be interesting, you know, not even, not only at Nebraska, but just around the country with the coaching carousel that's been going around. I mean, everybody's moving big, big names. There's some big, big jobs out there. Tyler, what do you, what are some of the biggest, uh, stories coming out of this coaching carousel that, uh, that surprised you? Well, I, I think I'll take the easy one. Uh, holy Tennessee Batman. Uh, I mean, those guys, I mean, could you make a bigger disaster with the Shiano? I, I mean, that that's uh, based off of a hire. Um, you are probably going to be sued or have to pay out some sort of settlement. I mean, that, that was such a whiff across the board. Yeah. Uh, Derek. Speaking of, Shiano, speaking of Shiano, you know what my biggest hope is? I hope Mississippi State picks up Shiano and they just start kicking ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, pro- the problem with that, it sounds like Mississippi State is very, very close uh, as of tonight of getting Penn State's offensive coordinator for their head- next head coach. So uh, maybe that'll be Arkansas's next head coach will be uh, Greg Shiano. Um, but no, I mean, <clears throat> like the number of high profile jobs this year, I mean, and maybe this is short-term memory, but I don't remember a time where you look at, in my opinion, you know, this year between UCLA, Nebraska, Tennessee, A and M, Florida, five of the top twenty jobs in the country come open, and that's not even considering Arizona State, uh, um, Arkansas, and Mississippi State. And the problem is with these schools is they're not finding candidates out there. And, and you think it's so easy to find a head coach. There are a lot of gaps out there in Canada. It's hard to think of some other potential big names that are in coaching circles out there. It, it's become very thin. Yeah, there's there's so many big jobs available right now, but just not enough great quality coaches to fill them. You know, a few years ago, they were filling them right and left with these the next hottest coach, you know, Jim McElwain, Bielema, uh, and they, they all turned into shit, really. And so now there's a mad scramble to find these guys. Just not not enough coaching talent. John, what stands out to you with this coaching carousel? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just throw this out there since no one on a Husker podcast mentioned Scott Frost. Um, he's a hot, hot, hot name right now. And I think it says a lot when you see all these other names being mentioned for other positions about his status with Nebraska and their pursuit of him. Add in Bill Moose's, uh, his comments about not pursuing Scott Frost or not talking about him and respecting him because he's got a championship game to go uh, play along with other coaches. And I think it's, I think you've got a pretty good indicator of where the wins lie for Nebraska here over the next couple of days. Um, I mean, he was mentioned anywhere from UCLA to Florida to Tennessee and no one progressed with him. You saw how quickly Tennessee uh, has switched gears here after missing out on, what, five coaches now. And you would think that Scott Frost would be just a hot, hot name for them, and he's not, which leads me to believe that that, that boat has already sailed for them. Uh, same thing with Florida and UCLA. Um, you know, it was the Chip Kelly sweepstakes for everybody. Um, I firmly believe with Bill Moose's background um, with Chip Kelly that he reached out to um, and talked to him, but he has the wherewithal to know that, hey, you know, I can bring in Chip Kelly, 
or I can bring in Chip Kelly Jr., which is Scott Frost, um, to run that offense here. He's proven he can do it at UCF. So um, I haven't seen this many high-profile openings, just like everyone else has said, in a long time. But I really think it speaks to the amount of qualified candidates out there right now compared to years past. I mean, Nebraska was early on the firing of Bo Pelini, and they landed with Mike Riley. That same cycle, or that next cycle, uh, Coach Taggart um, went from USF to Oregon. He's been mentioned at Florida and other places. But, man, that guy's got the number one recruiting class in the country right now, and he is just on fire. So I have no doubt that he's going to stick with his Oregon commitment and uh, stick with them. But, you're just, I mean, there's just a ton of big names right now. And I think where it really gets interesting here in the next five to seven days isn't the head coaching search. Because I feel like that's, other than Tennessee, that's pretty it's pretty well thought out. a and is going to be in there at some point, I think, um, rolling the dice on that stuff. But I think where it gets really interesting is who goes with them. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of longtime coordinators like Tosh Lupoy uh, at Alabama get shots at some of these programs. Uh, it could be Nebraska. It could be elsewhere. But I think that's really where this year is going to separate itself as not only the head coaching search, but the amount of jockeying for coordinators around the market. Personally, uh, I think Tennessee would be smart to go after Chad Morris. Um, if you guys remember, he was at Clemson before taking over SMU. Mm-hmm. Great offensive mind. I think he was a high school coach seven years ago. Um, so he's not that far removed from the high school coaching ranks. He's moved up rapidly. He's had success wherever he's gone. Be it may or be it not may, maybe for Deshaun Watson at Clemson. Um, but regardless, there's results and they're sticking around. So I think he's the next head coach of Tennessee, but we'll see. Lots of names on the board, lots of names off the board. You know, that, that whole thing that's going on at Tennessee with all those riots and not, not riots, but you know, the, uh, the protest. Yeah. The protests with uh, Greg Schiano. Do you guys think that could happen like at a place like Nebraska? Let's say Scott Frost doesn't come here and we get name your guy that you don't like. Could you see that happening anywhere else? Mainly at Nebraska. I I just thought that whole thing was sick. Tyler. Um, yeah, I do. I I think, you know, it, it, it Riley this year got to a situation where, you know, he obviously was going to keep his job, but there was a, business i'm not going to name that put a scott frost to nebraska sign outside their establishment halfway through the season um Mm -hmm. i think if you look at if mike riley would have been kept um or if another coach that we didn't like i definitely could see protests on campus and and let's not get twisted this this whole thing with shiano and penn state allegations that was a scapegoat for them not liking the hire. That there is no way around that. If Absolutely. I, it was a hundred percent a scapegoat that the media and some fans did to put it out there. And yeah, and but, I can't say I blame them, but it, it, it is, that was why that happened. The politicians got involved in that as well, which it makes it even more sick. That's because the voters were saying, Hey, our team's going to suck after this hire. I mean, they, they don't, I, I don't believe the politicians were looking at the safety of the children of Tennessee as a reason of the protest, <laughs> they, they were protesting and getting on board is because their constituents were out there saying, hey, what the hell's going on at our Tennessee university? And I think the same thing could happen here. Uh, again, maybe it's a, it was an easy scapegoat. Yeah. 
Derek, you have anything to add on the Tennessee? Ah, it, it was a disgusting form of everything, I guess. But I, I, unless there was a situation like that where you thought he was involved in something of that situation, I don't think you would see Nebraska do have these kinds of protests. Uh, in Moose, we trust right now, right? If we yes. if we don't if we don't get Frost, I, I would probably be a little bit devastated. But I do think that he would go after another big name, and as long as he goes after another big name, I think fans would rally around that name. But if you, if you go after a Shiano, like, yeah, maybe. Well, that list is getting thinner, Tyler. So I I agree. I, I think the one thing about that, Derek, is that Moose. Ha- and leaves a lot of Husker fans' eyes, has made about as much of an effort to get Scott Frost as need be. But the thing with the coaching carousel is, I could put one last note, it's not even about the head coaches. You look at jobs like Florida losing their coach and their coaching staff, Arkansas, A&M, uh, all these schools that lost that. There are going to be a lot of good assistant coaches looking for jobs this season. Um, and, and it's not just these head coaches, but there's going to be a lot of former coordinators at big-time universities that are going to be looking for jobs. Um, as we start putting our coaching staff together, I, I think it would be very a big mistake for Frost or whoever not to look at some of these other schools, um, whether it be Florida or whatever, some of their better assistants to try to take them along for the ride. True. Oh, go ahead, John. I Just to tag on to that, I mean, with all these coaches losing their jobs, I mean, you look at a guy like Jim McElwain at Florida – and you have to kind of wonder, what's he going to do now? He got that job for a reason. Um, so I, I, just to build on the point I mentioned earlier of all these guys um, kind of going to different places with head coaching gigs, there's a lot of head coaches that are now going to be out of a gig, um, and they need some place to go. Um, and typically that means they go back, unless you're Bo Pelini, that means you go back to you know a Power 5 coordinator position in a lower-tier conference. Um, like the you know the ACC, or even back into just what you're good at. If Bo Pelini had gone back into you know being a defensive coordinator at a top tier school where they have elite athletes, I have no doubt that that defense would be absolutely outstanding. He's good at defense. I'll I'll never think differently of him in that regard. But as a head coach, he just wasn't the guy. So um, I think it's really interesting if Nebraska doesn't you know if they don't win with Frost at this point because they're waiting. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see who they go after. A lot of the good candidates, the top candidates, are off the board at this point. Um, Tennessee, who really went first with firing, now sitting in the uh, the last place driver's seat, um, assuming Nebraska grabs Frost and they're just waiting for him to get done with his championship game. So it'd be interesting to see uh, what happens. But you know, if Riley was kept around, I think it'd be just as bad as Pelini's last year with all the uh, the negativity around the program. Okay, so you, everybody keeps bringing Tennessee up, and I and I get it. And they, Tennessee seems to, for whatever reason, be holding out for John Gruden, who's never leaving his position at ESPN. And I think we can all agree on that. But my question for for all of you is, what has John Gruden done in college football that makes a school want him so bad? Because he's never really coached college football before. You don't even really know if the guy can recruit. I mean, if you want to hire a 500 coach, I got a guy named Mike that I can refer to you because 
it's either Mike or Gruden, and one of the two. They're both 500 coaches, for that matter. Um, I I don't understand the love affair with Gruden. Someone else jump in if they do, because I'll. He didn't do squat in the NFL, and he didn't do squat in college. Well, he's got a Super Bowl ring. I mean, let's not Bill Callahan. Callahan, he 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 got a runner-up ring. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) uh, But but and and but I think Gruden. Here's the infatuation. You know, Tennessee looks at him and says, "You know, he is one of our own. He he's a big name. He's a successful coach." They've got an infatuation with him. Uh, as a Husker, we don't really have that. We don't have that alum that is that has been in the NFL and there. And the closest thing we had was Monty Kiffin. And I remember when we went out and hired Bill Callahan, there were a lot of fans that wanted to make a run at Monty Kiffin mm-hmm. uh, for a head coach. And he had, didn't even be a head coach at the NFL level. He was a D coordinator, very successful, obviously good college ties with us, but I just think you look at the infatuation of, hey, they did it at the NFL. Why can't they do it at our school? And the track record of those guys is not good. There are not many people, uh, with the exception of maybe Pete Carroll, that went from the NFL back to college uh, and had really good success. I think just, I mean, to tee off on that, not tee off. That's not what I mean, Tyler, and I apologize. (laughs) I mean, I think one of the things you look at, I mean, you look at what can a coach do. Um, Nick Saban, for example, not, a not an elite coach until he went to Alabama, you know, Michigan state was okay. The NFL was okay. Um, I think what you need in a head coach is consistency. Um, John Gruden, he's never had it. He won a super bowl and what was it? 2002. Um, but the rest of the time, um, you know, they, they'd make the playoffs or, you know, the first round of the playoffs and that was it. Um, so I don't think nothing against John Gruden. Don't, don't at me. But I just don't think that John Gruden is the smart choice. I get that he's a hometown hero, et cetera. Uh, but I think when you're looking for a college coach, A, at a school like Tennessee, it needs to be someone who's established. But B, it's got to be someone that's got a track record of coaching in college with success. Well, and, and just, I'm sorry, put one more note on. The mistake Tennessee made with the Gruden thing is that athletic director should have came out as soon as they fired Butch Davis – or Butch Jones, I'm sorry, Butch mm-hmm. Jones, and said, we're not pursuing John Gruden. And and he actively allowed those rumors to swirl. I mean, I remember hearing reports of John Gruden at, eating at this restaurant and all this. And and you heard that with Bill Moose at the press conference. You know, Chris Peterson's name came up, and he kind of squashed that by saying, yeah, I think he's good at uh, Washington right now. I, I think that that's the AD and that university's fault for not squashing that when it happened. Okay, well, well, here's my question for you is, okay, everybody keeps talking about Gruden. Is my Wikipedia lying to me? Because according to Wikipedia, he went to Dayton, not Tennessee. I think he's Uh, from. He was a graduate assistant from Tennessee. He's from Sandusky, Ohio. So I don't know what, what, outside of being a graduate assistant in 86 and 87, what really connection he has to the University of Tennessee. You know what, Derek? Right now, if you donate three dollars to Wikipedia, you'll help keep them running for another year. Um, <laughs> I'm no Encyclopedia Britannica, but I mean, I, I don't know if he's Tennessee or not. I don't really care. They make great whiskey in Tennessee, so <laughs> I, the the point it doesn't matter. You know what, where he's from, etc. 
Um, the, the fact of the matter is he has tied to Tennessee with that graduate assistant year, but um, I, he's just not the right coach. I think John Gruden knows that, which is why he came out and said, no, he's making bank as a, uh, as an analyst for the NFL and ESPN. And why leave that job for a high stress, you know, 60, 60, 70 hour week job coaching a college football team. That's no offense, Tennessee, but you're in the dumps. Um, one could say that you're in the trash can that you keep on the sidelines. So, um, I just, I don't get it. I don't think there's any reason behind it. And I think Gruden was smart to keep his name out of it and let it go. All right. Well, we spent about five minutes on a coach that I'll never coach in college, but, uh, (laughs) let's move on to the big 10, uh, uh, back to the big 10, all conferences, the media and the coaches, they put out their list today. First team, second team, third team for defense. No Huskers on it. No Huskers on the honorable mentions. Are you shocked? Surprised? Tyler? I, I think that the media and the coaches watched some of Nebraska's defense this season. Um, I, I, I don't know. I honestly don't even know who you would put on that list. Um, you know, Stolenberg and Carlos Davis are probably the top two guys that I would have looked at, but no, I mean, no one probably deserved it from the Huskers. And I, I think that they got it right. Derek. When you give up 50 plus points, four times in a season, three times consecutively, what part of that screams put me on all conference. True. Uh, John, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, I, I really don't disagree. Um, I'm kind of with Tyler that maybe you consider the, one of the Davis twins or, or Carlos Davis specifically or Mick Stoltenberg, but they really didn't do much. Um, neither did any of the young guys that kind of made a splash. Offensively, I think there's a case for Tanner Lee being the uh, the number three, you know, third team honorable mention. Nebraska's the, the third ranked offense um, under passing statistics in 2017. Um, they're not far behind Ohio State. Um, the big difference there is obviously the interception ratio, but between Penn state, Ohio state, you drop down in Nebraska. I mean, those, those top two are pretty well defined, but I thought Tanner Lee would be deserving as, you know, of a third team or honorable mission. Um, same thing with, uh, Stanley Morgan as well. Um, I, I think he's done great things, you know, out of the ordinary at Nebraska. So, um, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing him again as a third, a third, a third team, but maybe JD Spielman on the, on the freshman team as well. But, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pick and choose just because there's some really, really talented kids in the in the Big Ten. So on special teams, uh, Drew Brown, J.D. Spielman, and uh, DPE, they were all recognized as you know honorable mentions. Uh, DPE was only by the media. I was actually shocked that DPE actually got in there, considering how many successful punt returns did he have through the course of the year. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts on the special teams? I think, well, DPE probably had a decent average because he only, probably only got like six chances to return punts because their defense <laughs> only had six stops right. the whole season. That's true. <laughs> well, it, it, J.D. Spielman's basically being judged off of one return, which happened to be his very first return. I mean, not that his, any of his other returns were terrible, but they weren't mind-boggling either. I mean... Yeah, he, he looked good, I thought. He did. He did okay. I mean, that first one was phenomenal, and then it was just kind of like, okay, we're chugging along. Yeah. I, I get why he was honorable mention. 
but I think a lot of it is judged off that 100-yard return in the first game. That sure helps your average. It really it sure does. does. All right, let's move on to our picks this week. Uh, Nebraska, we don't play. But, uh, Derek, before we get into it, give us a recap on the standings. Well, all right, Justin, you went 3-3 three three again. Bringing, you're bringing your average to 40-33. and 33. Yes. Tyler, you went 5-1 and one last week because you piggybacked off of my picks. Uh, and went 43 and you got 43 and 30 and I went five and one as well and went, and I'm sitting at 48 and 25, 48. So I can't catch you, No. but all right, let's get into it. Uh, first game, number 12, Stanford, uh, verse number 10, USC, USC's four point favorites, Derek. I, this this to me was a pretty much a coin flip game. I don't I don't know who to pick. I just went with USC just for shits and giggles. Tyler, you know I really like Bryce Love, but I think the back to keep an eye on uh, is Ronald Jones the third. I mean he ran for about 150 yards over the last three games. Um, you know, and USC is basically coming off of well not basically they're coming off of a bye week. Uh, they did not play last week. I like USC to win this game. John, you know I've got uh, I've got Stanford in this one. Nothing against USC. Um, neither of these teams really have an elite level defense at this point, and I think Stanford can control the uh, the line of scrimmage in the game with that. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm pick. I'm picking uh, Stanford here, and it's about Bryce Love. I want to see him hit that 2,000 yard mark. I think he needs 152 yards to hit it. So that excites me there. All right, here we go. Uh, number 20, Memphis against uh, 14, number 14, UCF. Scott Frost, babies. Uh, Scott Frost is favored by seven. Derek. Fighting Frosties, baby, all the way. <laughs> Tyler. Uh, UCF beat Ford, uh, Memphis 40 to 13 earlier this year. I think it's going to be a lot closer to that, but go Frost. Oh, yeah. John. I've got uh, I've got Memphis with the vendetta win against uh, UCF to spoil their season. Boo! I got UCF <laughs> also. All right, number eleven TCU against number three Oklahoma. Oklahoma's seven and a half point favorites. Derek. Oh, Baker Mayfield, your Heisman Trophy winner, most likely. I you have to go with Oklahoma, right? Yeah. Tyler. I picked TCU at the beginning of the season. I picked them at the midpoint of the season when we redid it. I'm sticking with TCU to win the Big 12. They have the best defense in that conference. They lead in rush defense, pass defense, scoring defense, total defense. They have the best defense in the conference. Last time they played, they lost 38-20. to I think Kenny Hill plays a little bit better this time, and they have enough defense to slow down Baker Mayfield and play spoiler to Oklahoma season. John? Uh, I'm going to go with Iowa State. I think they beat uh, both Oklahoma and TCU again this weekend. <laughs> Shout out to my buddy Seth, who's a diehard Cyclone fan. It's uh, good to see your boys uh, doing well again. But I think I'm going to go with the crotch grab this uh, this week. We'll go with uh, Baker Mayfield in Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, I got Oklahoma as well. All right, to the SEC, number six, Georgia, versus number two, Auburn. Auburn's three-point favorites, Derek. 
Oh, Georgia's got to be looking for revenge in this game. They just have to be, right? And I think they have a little bit better of a defense. And, and this game's played in Atlanta, Georgia, right? Yes. So it's basically a home game for them. I, I'm going with Georgia. Tyler. I, I think this is the best game of the weekend. Um, you know, Derek, you said Georgia's a little bit better defense. They had the fifth best scoring defense in the country, but Auburn is ninth. Um, Auburn took it to them last time they played, but this isn't the same Auburn team. They are they have their top three running backs injured right now. I, I honestly could flip a coin in this game, but I just watching that game, I think Auburn's defense, what they did to Alabama was damn impressive. I think Auburn wins this game. John. You know, I really hate that Auburn is ranked in the as number what is it, number two, two. in the in the in the college football playoffs right now. I want to see Georgia go in, mess up the playoff system. You know, I don't know if we're calling this game or not, but I want to see Miami go in and mess up Clemson and just throw the whole college football playoff system into disarray uh, and have uh, UCF somehow magically make it in. So I'm going to go with Georgia this weekend. Uh, so t- such a talented team down at Georgia. It's a shame Rick could never get it going. Uh, so I think the Bulldogs are, are due, and I, I think they're going to pull it out. I'm going with Auburn in this game. They've beat the number one team twice this year in Georgia and Alabama. And I think uh, Auburn is just going to continue to roll. I think uh, they roll Georgia. Uh, Here's your game here, uh, John. Number seven, Miami versus number one, Clemson. Uh, Derek. You know, I really wanted to pick Miami in this game. I really did. But that spread being a nine and a half for Clemson. Oh, man. Vegas does usually kind of know what they're talking about on that. So I got I got to go with Clemson just a little bit. Tyler? I think this is the second best game. I think this is going to be a really close game. Um, I it, You know, it's tough for me to really pick it, but I think if you look at the schedule, Clemson has played a little bit tougher schedule. Uh, you know, they beat Auburn, they beat Louisville, they beat South Carolina, they beat NC State. Um, both teams beat Vautech, but I, I think – Clemson's definitely had a tougher route. And Miami has four victories this year by only one possession. Mm-hmm. I, I just – I think Clemson's probably just a little bit too much for him. I think it's going to be a tough game, but I, I, I like Clemson in it. John? You know, uh, I'm still bitter about 2001 when Miami went off uh, on Nebraska in that, uh, you know, that, that one game in the national championship against some <laughs> team. Um, I, you know what? Uh, I'm going to go with the turnover chain gang and uh, go with Miami this week. Um, I think the U is due. I think they play some hard-nosed football, and uh, I think they're out for blood this week. Well, they didn't look too good against Pitt. I got Clemson in this game. I think uh, Clemson's going to roll them. Uh, To the Big Ten, number eight, Ohio State. Six-point favorites over number four, Wisconsin. Derek. I see, and this is where I disagree. I think I think this is probably the best game of the weekend. I think that, I think Wisconsin's better than people are giving them credit for. In all honesty, I think that maybe their schedule is not the greatest, but being undefeated, they're my number one right now. Like, how how are you picking against these guys? Uh, Wisconsin's playing good ball. Uh, I, I think Wisconsin comes out on top. I think it's a close game, but if if Iowa can beat Ohio State, I think I think Wisconsin can. Tyler? 
I, I think Wisconsin's a really good team. Um, I really do. It, it's really tough to gauge them, though, when their toughest victory is against Michigan. And that was a close game until Michigan's quarterback got injured. Uh, I don't think this is going to be a good game. I think if JT Barrett is close to 100% with Ohio State wins big, uh, either way, I think Ohio State wins this game. John? I think that Ohio State has beaten no one of any substance this year. Uh, they lost to Oklahoma early in the year by, what was it, two touchdowns or so, um, and they haven't faced anyone great outside of Michigan State and Penn State, and that Penn State game was a shootout. Uh, I think Wisconsin is solid top to bottom, offensive line, defensive line, linebackers. Um, the only question mark for them is quarterback, and they've been consistent. Derek called it out earlier. Ohio State's got that loss to, uh, to Iowa. What was it, 55-24 to 24 when they let the Hawkeyes uh, run away with that win. So, you know, I just can't – I can't believe that uh, an Ohio State team that, that dropped a game to, what was it, 5-2 and two Iowa or whatever it was at that point can, uh, can win. So, Ohio State if they show up, but I'm going to put my – I'd put the house on Wisconsin at this point. I, I am shocked that Wisconsin does not get more respect than what they get. They're undefeated in a power five conference and they're sitting at number four. Nobody loves Wisconsin. They're sitting at six point underdogs against Ohio state. It, it shocks me. Uh, I'm, I'm taking Wisconsin here mainly because remember before the year started, I bet on Wisconsin to win the national championship. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's talk about these playoff four. Uh, you know, we, Everybody loves to see chaos. And, John, you were talking about UCF making the uh, tournament. I would love to see uh, UCF make the uh, playoff. Uh, I'm not sure if it's going to happen, but chaos is great. Uh, be that as it may, John, who is in your playoff for? Oh, oh okay. I get to mess up the entire playoff picture. So I'm going to go with uh, Wisconsin at one, Oklahoma at two after this weekend. Um, I really think that if Miami and Georgia can win their games, one of those two should be in and Auburn should be out, out. Um, and, uh, I hate to see Alabama in there, but they've only got one loss, so they would be in there by default. So Oklahoma, Wisconsin, Alabama, and, uh, ah, screw it. Let's go with Miami. (laughs) All right, Derek. Oh, I don't know. I, right now. Judging by the way I picked my games, you have to put Oklahoma, Wisconsin, Georgia, and probably Clemson in it. Not in that particular order. Like I said, I, I, I still personally think Wisconsin should be ranked number one. Anytime you're undefeated in a Power 5 conference, especially the Big Ten, it's not Wisconsin's fault that Nebraska sucked this year and uh, Iowa sucked this year and uh, – you know, Michigan turned out to be a mediocre team. That's not Wisconsin's fault. And so just just because of that, I think that they're getting less love, but they should they should be probably be on top. Alabama really didn't beat anybody that much better than Wisconsin has. And and yet we all they the committee continues to always want to put them on top until they lose. So yeah, I, the only top think... 25 team they beat was LSU at the sure. final standings, just exactly. LSU. Exactly. So, anyway, that, that would be my four. I, I, you know, I got Clemson coming in at one, I think, with, with how I picked it. Um, Auburn's going to be number two. Uh, I think 
Alabama is going to be three and Ohio State will be four. If Oklahoma does beat TCU, um, I think the Big Ten gets left out. I, I, I do. I mean, obviously, if Wisconsin beats Ohio State, they'll get in. But if Ohio State wins, which I really, really do think they're going to do, I think you're looking at the year the Big Ten gets left out because I don't think Ohio State with that loss against Iowa will jump uh, Alabama. And I think that's a mistake. I think, you know, Ohio State, if they beat Wisconsin, with them beating Wisconsin, Michigan State, and Penn State have much better victories that should overlook that loss. Uh, but I don't think it will. I think that loss against Iowa is too glaring. Uh, but I don't think it's going to come down to that because I think Oklahoma is going to get upset. Um, so I, I got those uh, – like I said, I got Clemson, Auburn, Alabama, and Ohio State, which would mean a rematch of Auburn versus Alabama. Okay, I have Clemson, Wisconsin, Auburn, Oklahoma as my top four. I want to ask you guys, you know, Wisconsin and Central Florida, only undefeated teams. Is there any shot in hell that Scott Frost is playing, though, in the playoff? John? Nope. Even nope. though I want to disrupt the entire playoff picture and put UCF in there, I think best case scenario they end up in the the six, seven, eight range, and and they're left in the dust. Derek, I believe the committee the committee spoke for themselves tonight when they, I think they're ranked what fourteenth. Yeah. Yep. And there's no way that beating Memphis a second time moves them up ten spots to get into the playoff. No way. Yeah. Tyler. Uh, no, I agree with what they said, but, and more importantly, I don't think they deserve it. Um, I, I know undefeated is impressive, but when you're beating teams like gray Austin and temple, uh, and you, you know, most of their opponents on their schedule are teams that we would schedule for cupcake games. Um, I, I don't think them beating Maryland uh, Memphis and South Florida warrants them being in the college football playoff. It's impressive what he did there. I, I think it's a hell of a season and they should be applauded, but I don't think they deserve it. And I don't think they get there. Take it, Derek. Uh, just to add on to this, I, I'm also probably rooting so far against Central Florida getting into the playoff just because. If they get in the playoff, what makes Scott Frost leave Central Florida? We can make the playoff here and win national championships here. True that. And, I, and I'm such a Scott Frost homer that I want him here so bad that I would almost root against Central Florida just for that reason. Yeah, yeah but you're also talking about it being one of those, just like 2001 when Nebraska made uh, the national championship game. They had no business truly being there against Miami. Come at me on Twitter if you disagree with me on that, but I think that would be just like every single, you know, star aligning in the right way for UCF. And even then, if, you know, half the team's lost in front of them today, there's just no way they get in at the end of the day because of their lackluster schedule. Now, if they had played Georgia Tech, maybe knocked off Georgia Tech when they were a little bit better this season, et cetera, that might be a different story. But they're never going to get the respect they need being in the AAC conference. Derek? Well, just a question for you, John. So, do you not see any scenario where maybe they turn out to be, what was it, 05 or 06 Boise State and just upset a big-name team? Who are they going to upset at this point? I mean, their best shot at well, no, I'm saying if, if, you, if you were to New put them in the playoff. If you were to put them in the playoff, though. Do you the, think there's, they, they have absolutely no shot whatsoever to win one of those games? 
No, I don't. I think they lack the defense to get it done. Nothing against UCF and their team, um, but it's been a shootout in all the games that are really close, uh, especially that uh, that uh, South Florida game last week. So I don't think they can get it done against a big a big time program. All right. Well, we got a big weekend of football, but uh, we need to get out of here. Uh, let's get a volleyball update here. Nebraska, the women, they win a share of the Big Ten title. Uh, they're a national number five seed headed into the uh, playoffs, and uh, they host Stony Brook on Friday. Uh, so, anyway, be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Husker Cuscast. You can find all of our episodes on Podbean and on iTunes. Come check us out on HuskerHype.com. On behalf of Derek, Tyler, and John, we want to thank everybody for listening, and we'll be back next week to chat about our brand new coach. We'll see you then, and as always, go big day.